During this time of the year, many people spend this time coming together and giving thanks for friends, family, and many other things in their life. But as believers, sometimes we overlook some of the less obvious things to be thankful for. Welcome to A Walk in the Word, where we bring you the Sunday sermons from Providence Baptist Church Gaston's worship services. In this week's sermon, Pastor John Friedrich reminds us that we are instructed to be thankful for all things in our lives. Let's join in as Pastor Friedrich preaches a message entitled, I Should Be Thankful for What? from Ephesians chapter 5. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house with you guys this morning as we gather around his word and see what he has to say to us. So as I said, we are in Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 17 through 20 this morning. 17 through 20. Wherefore, be not unwise, being understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne again this morning, we are grateful for this time we've had together, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to come together to raise your name in praise and worship, to lift our petitions to you, Lord. We thank you now as we step into your word and ask that you help us to prepare our hearts and our minds uh, for uh, what you want us to hear today, Lord. We also ask, or also thank you uh, for all things that you have blessed us with in this week that we uh, reflect on how good you have been to us. And Lord, as we, as I said, go into this message, we just ask that you help our hearts be ready to hear you speak to us, Lord. I know I'm not worthy to be the one to present the words, but just take me and use me as your instrument. Take away anything that could in any way interfere with the message, pride, selfishness, distraction, Lord, just fill me with your spirit. The words that I speak might be coming from you and not from my own doing. And Lord, as a church, as we continue to seek answers and seek guidance, we just ask that you would speak to us. Show us the path you want us to take, that we might fulfill your will for us as a church. And Lord, as individuals, help us to see the needs that are around us, whether that be a spiritual need or a physical need, particularly those that are lost in this evil world that we live in, that we might speak to them and show them the way and through the gospel that you are the only path through which we might find salvation, peace, comfort, and satisfaction. And Lord, just forgive us of the times that we have chosen our own path and we have sinned against you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that everybody had a good Thanksgiving uh, or holiday fellowship this past week. Um, if there's any time during the year that people, uh, regardless of their faith, uh, in large part, are united in one mindset in our country, it is Thanksgiving. Uh, by its very name, it's a time for us to reflect and take stock of what we have, been thank what we have to be thankful for. And while not all will give credit where credit is truly due, and what they have, and that is being God, of course, because we know all things, good things come from God. Most nevertheless are, are thankful, uh, if only for a short while, perhaps, uh, during this time of year. Um, our verse this morning actually comes from the epistle that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, uh, and part of a letter that was a portion of Paul's direction to them on how they should conduct themselves as Christians. And it covers a lot of different aspects of their behavior. It's good advice uh, for them and for us as well as we read through these things. But lumped inside those instructions 
is a command that as Christians we are to be thankful for all things. We are to be thankful for all things. You'll note that this verse, our verses this morning, I've highlighted giving thanks for all things in our lives. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise is what Psalms 104 says. And William Henderson picturesquely commented that when a person prays without thanksgiving, he has clipped the wings of prayer so that it cannot rise. Thanksgiving, giving thanks, should be an integral part of all that we think about when we think about God. It should be a very key part of when we speak to God. In fact, if you look at the model prayer, there is a part where it thanks God for all that he has done. We should always be aware, be cognizant of that all that we have comes from God that is good. It is not our own doing, it is God's doing in, the, in that case. So many times from, from pulpits, so many times we talk about being thankful to God and we obviously speak of many of the blessings that we receive through healings or uh, sometimes material blessings. Uh, and we take to speak of those terms when we, what God has brought in our lives. Even in this past week, we probably reflected on his blessings. We focus on the obvious. We're thankful for the opportunity to gather in his house. We're thankful for friends and family. We're thankful for a roof over our head and food on our table. But if our verse says we should be thankful for all things, are we perhaps overlooking certain aspects in our lives that maybe aren't quite so obvious? Take note again of what it says in our verses. Giving thanks always for all things unto God. This includes things in our life that when we experience them, thankfulness is oftentimes the very last thing that comes to our mind. And to set the stage for what I'm talking about today, we need to couple our verse with another one, and we find that in Romans 8.29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now by considering these two verses together, certain things become very obvious to us. First, we as Christians have a responsibility to spend our lives allowing God to work in us that we become conformed to the very image of Christ himself. It's God's will that we all work towards this goal. That is the end point that we should strive for. Because of this, there are times in our lives when God, as part of his goal to conform us to the image of his son, must bring things into our lives that maybe we wouldn't necessarily choose to go through on our own. Things that we find unpleasant. Things that we might find undesirable in our eyes. Because let's be honest, we as humans, we don't like difficulty. We don't like struggle. We don't like hardship. We like the easy road, the comfortable life. But at times, because of our human fleshly nature, it's necessary for us to experience unpleasant, 
circumstances. And those are used by God to shape us, to mold us. Working against our natural instincts, our comforts, our desires. And when we couple them with Ephesians 5.20, we suddenly find ourselves in a position where we're actually being told that we're supposed to be thankful for even those things. Even those times that we don't want to be thankful, those times where the thing, being thankful is the last thing crossing our mind. Where we've experienced trials and tribulations. Hence the title that I've given to this morning's ser sermon. I should be thankful for what? You see, being thankful is not a Christian option. It is not a high order of living that we're free to choose or disregard. As Joni Erickson Tata, a quadriplegic author and outspoken Christian, now this is a woman that has a lot to not be thankful for if she let herself be, because she is a quadriplegic, she's observed that giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It's a matter of obedience. Job 14.1 says, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Oh, how true those words are. We struggle to strive in, a faith, uh, in our faith in a, in a fallen and sinful world. We struggle against the sinful flesh that we all retain. We strive to be Christ-like when our natural being is telling us to be anything but that. Nevertheless, though, the issues, the circumstances, the consequences, that result are for our good. Just as God has promised us. So this morning, we're going to go and we're going to take a look at four different things in our lives that we should be thankful for, that when we look at initially, you might say, I don't see how I should be thankful for that. But it's key in understanding how God is working through us and in us. And the first one this morning is that we should be thankful for difficulties that mold us for the service of God. We should be thankful for difficulties that mold us for the service of God. 1 Peter 6-7 tells us, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice some key things in there. Look how it refers to the trial of your faith. You see what it says there? The trial of your faith is what? Much more precious than gold. It tells us that the struggles, the tests, are precious in God's eyes. They have purpose. They have meaning. They're not just random struggles that come our way. They are there for God's use to mold us, to shape us, to take us to the next level spiritually. That we might be prepared and equipped to serve him in our fullest capacities. Now let's be honest with one another today. Serving God is neither natural or an easy task for us as sinful humans. 
By nature, we want to do what we want to do. We want things easy. We want to take the comfortable road. We have our own plans, our own hopes, our own dreams. And if left to our own devices, we will probably include very little, if any, service to God in all of that. What's more, even if we do include service to God in our plans, we can easily become discouraged, set off track. And oftentimes we do so for self-serving reasons. Because God, serving God is fraught with difficulties, obstacles, challenges, sometimes downright hostilities. And someone who is not mature in their faith can look at these things and easy, easily lose heart. They can look at these challenges that are put before them and say, you know, I don't know that this is really worth it. If serving God is what I'm supposed to do, if it's the right thing to do, why do I have to struggle to accomplish it? But as we mature in our faith, as we become more and more in line and, and connected with God, we understand why those things happen. We understand that there's purpose in all of that. God knows this. God knows there's going to be challenges for us. God knows that serving him in a fallen world is difficult. And is fraught with difficulties and obstacles. So he prepares us. He makes us more equipped to deal with these through our own trials and tribulations. Teaching us how to overcome these things. He uses them to build our resolve. To gird us up for the fields of battle. You know, Satan doesn't want us serving God. I think that's pretty obvious. Satan loves Christians who just sit around and do nothing. Don't witness. Don't have any form of service to God. Those are, he, he's okay with that because you're not doing anything to glorify God, glorify God. You're not doing anything to exalt his kingdom. But God tells, tells us we have a role to play. We have so, roles to serve him in. They don't, Satan doesn't want us serving him. and he'll, just, he'll do everything he can to discourage us, to dissuade us. He wants us discouraged, frustrated, and ultimately silenced. God knows he must prepare us. So that we continue to serve him without missing a beat. Regardless of what Satan throws in our path, we're like, that's all right. There's a way around this, around it, up it, over it, under it, whatever. That God's going to prepare us for and make a way for us. It's kind of like when anybody who's been in law enforcement or the military... Uh, in their training, they repeat scenarios over and over and over again. When you're doing training, you do the same thing over, and you think, man, this is crazy. Why are we doing the same thing over and over and over? Well, they want it to be where you respond instinctively in those circumstances. You've seen these obstacles, you've seen what you could potentially face, and you automatically react. God wants us the same way. Hey, this is just an obstacle. <laughs> we can get around this. This is just a challenge. God's made a way through this. I don't even need to hesitate. It makes us better prepared for the realities we're going to face. When we are prepared, we are equipped, 
and thus we are more effective in the service of God. Some of the things we've had to do in the military were done to expose us to certain aspects of things that we might encounter along the way. Uh, a couple of examples I might get, share with you are uh, the infamous gas chamber. Anybody who's been in the military knows all about the gas chamber. And this is effectively a large room where they set off CS gas, which is tear gas, and have you walk in and during a certain period of time of that, you experience it without your gas mask. You are actually experiencing the effects of the tear gas. Part of the qualifications of carrying pepper spray in law enforcement, you have to be pepper sprayed. So you experience this. Okay, so this is not a shock if you get in a situation when you experience it. Part of the defensive tactics training we go through in, in the law enforcement and the military is they are do full contact fights with pads on, obviously, so you know what it feels like to get hit. And the whole idea behind all of this is so that you're familiar with the challenges, you're familiar with what you might face. When these things happen, and they often do, you're not caught off guard, you're ready. You react. God does the same thing in our lives with the challenges that we face in serving him. He'll put obstacles out there. He'll put challenges out there. He'll say, this is preparing you. So when you see these again, you aren't surprised. You simply respond. And you are equipped to deal with it. It's important to understand the whole rationale here. Otherwise, when life becomes stormy, when we're tried, we might just throw in the towels, give up. Say, this, isn't, this is too hard, this is too difficult. Not worth the effort. But with God's training and with his preparation that he gives us and puts us through, we don't faint. We don't hesitate. And we most certainly won't quit. The next thing we should be thankful for is chastisement for sinful behavior. Chastisement for sinful behavior. Hebrews 12, 5 through 7 says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as of my children, as unto my as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God deal with you as sons. And what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Those of you that are parents, when's the last time your kid came up to you and said, Mom, Dad, thank you so much for punishing me. I am so glad that you did that. I venture to bet that probably none of us have ever heard that before. Sounds completely ludicrous when you think about it. But that's really exactly what God is telling us to be like. When God sees fit to chastise us for sinful behaviors. Now, it's not that we should enjoy the chastening. I'm not saying that the chastening that God sends our way, we should be, man, this is great. I love it. That's not the point. There's an important distinction here. 
This is a necessary part, once again, of our conforming to the image of Christ. The truth of the matter is that because of our sinful desires, we're naturally going to want to push the boundaries. We are naturally going to look for the limits on how far we can go. This is one of the key things when we raise kids, is we've got to set boundaries for them. And they will test those boundaries. They will see how far they can go before they feel the sting of chastisement. Those that were brought up without clearly defined boundaries are very reckless in their adult lives. That's what laws are for and that's what God's commandments are for. There are boundaries set for us, him knowing fully well that without boundaries we are, will be out of control. If we're not told what the boundaries are, we're certainly not going to stay within them. That's why a clear, unchanging moral guide, otherwise known as God's word, is so necessary in our society. And what's more, even when we know the boundaries we are, we naturally are going to test them. Our sin natures push us to crossing that line that we know exists there. And if something doesn't happen to remind us that we should not have crossed that line, then we'll have really no reason to worry about crossing it again. So you see, the chastisement of God, although certainly a part of conforming us to the image of Christ, is a means for protecting us from our own self-destructive behavior. If we are left unchecked, we will destroy ourselves. Our behaviors will become more and more destructive. So we should be thankful that God takes the time and makes the effort to bring our attention to those times that we've rebelled, that we've crossed the line, that he corrects our course so that we don't find ourselves sailing off into the rocks of self-destruction. And this leads us right into the next thing that we should be thankful for. And that is that we should be thankful for consequences. We should be thankful for consequences. 1 Peter 2.20 says, For this is thankworthy. If a man, for conscience towards God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it? If when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well, you suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. We sometimes have a real short memory when it comes to sin. Sometimes we have a real short memory when it comes to what happens when we cross those lines that we spoke about a minute ago. All too soon we may forget about the chastisement that we got from God. And once again we find ourselves going right down the same path. Once again. Now understand that chastisement or punishment and consequences are not necessarily the same thing. For example, a teenager might get grounded and lose car privileges. Punishment for being careless with the car. But also suffer consequences that leave him responsible for paying for damages 
and increased insurance costs. You see, there's consequences, meaning the lasting effects of having to pay for damages and insurance increase. And then you've got the punishment where he loses privileges. So they're not necessarily the same thing. Because punishment is brief and doesn't always change behaviors, sometimes God needs a more lasting thing put in place that helps us to understand and remember that we understand that we feel the God's rod of discipline and he allows consequences to remain. Sometimes those consequences are for a short while. Sometimes we suffer consequences that last a lifetime, depending on the nature of what has taken place. Now, that's not to say just because we've done something for the first time, it doesn't have consequences. Perhaps in those instances that a sin we commit is something that God wants to deal with and make sure that we feel an extended uh, reminder of our actions then. The consequences of our actions are a reminder for us and a lesson that when we make a decision to act in rebellion against God, there is a price to be paid. It keeps it in our minds that we cannot willfully defy God and expect that there won't be some unpleasant outcome as a result of it. The last one, the last thing we should be thankful for are lessons in dependency. Lessons on dependency. James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that for the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And then there's another one that goes along with that, Romans 5, 3 and 4. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that the tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. This is probably the most, one of the most important when it comes to serving God and living in the image of Christ when it comes to being thankful. Our illusion of self-sufficiency is one that we struggle with constantly. We think that we can do it ourselves. We think that we're, we're independent enough that we can make our life and make things happen all in and of ourselves. And we forget the need to rely on God. But to fully embrace the idea of being Christ-like, we've got to accept the fact that we are ultimately powerless. We have no power when it comes to controlling our fate, circumstances, or our future. We have no power over that ultimately. A complete dependency on God for everything in our life allows us to focus on Him, on serving Him. It prevents us from having the distractions of having to worry about what is to come. To worry about what we are to do. God has already laid that out for us. It takes away concern and so <clears throat> we, it doesn't draw our attention away from the things that really matter. 
being humans, we, we tend to think, and I think it's probably worse for us men, that we can dictate how these things will play out, what the outcome will be. We like to control things. We like to say, well, I got to fix this. I got to make this happen. I got to do this. I got to do that. And we think we can really ultimately control outcomes. It's for this reason that sometimes God has got to bring a trial into our lives to teach us that ultimately we've got to trust him. Ultimately, we've got to rely on him completely. It is during those darkest times in our lives when we fully understand that our abilities to control our future and our fate are utterly worthless. And that God controls all of that. We begin to understand who's really in control of all of our circumstances. And if we spend time in his word and in prayer... We'll begin to see this. We'll begin to know that his hand is on our lives. His hand is in all that we are dealing with. You know, if we can only thank God when things are going well, our faith really isn't that mature. Because, oh, it is so easy when things, God is blessing us, when things are going the way we think they should. It's so easy to say, thank you, God. But when we're, we're fighting and we're struggling, if we can thank him in anticipation of what he will do in the future, putting all trust and faith in him, we can take our spiritual maturity to another level. Now once again, I want to stress, that doesn't mean we are jumping up and down for joy while we are suffering. But we need to recognize God at work. And being and in doing so, we're glad that once again we find that God is doing a work in us. He has taken the time to give us this attention. To do what he wants to do with us. So that we might be an instrument for his purposes and his kingdom. But to thank God while we're in the midst of pain, trials, persecution, shows a level of maturity that few Christians seem to know. But it's something that our Heavenly Father wants us all to have. Regardless of the reasoning behind the difficulty we are facing in our situation, we can take heart in one thing for sure. We can be assured that our trials will only last as long as needed for God to accomplish His objective in us. We know that this trial, this difficulty that we're facing has purpose and in as much God has a defined period of time that it is going to last for. And when he has achieved what he is looking to achieve in us, that trial will come to an end. It's for this reason that in any one of these circumstances we find ourselves in, don't fight it. Allow God to work. Allow God. Seek what he is trying to show you. Go to him in prayer. Go to his word. Say, God, what are you showing me here? What are you revealing to me? Show me, is there something in my life that needs to change? Is there something in my life that I need to let go of and let God work with? What is it that you are saying to me that I might become more conformed to who you want me to become? 
Look to God for the lesson and the goal of the tribulation. So when are we to be thankful? What did our verse say this morning about when? Always. Always. To be thankful always is to recognize God's control of our lives in every detail as he seeks to conform us to the image of his son. And what are we to be thankful for? All things. All things. The greatest gift we can give God is a thankful heart. Because all we can give to him is simply grateful recognition that all we have is from him in the first place. Who here can honestly say that you have anything that God wasn't responsible for giving to you? He has a cattle on a thousand hills. All things belong to him. He created all of this. He's just letting us borrow it for a little while. We give him thanks for all things because he has given us all things. And because giving thanks in everything is God's will in Christ Jesus, as our verse says this morning. I want to share this one last verse with you this morning. It says, in everything give thanks for what? What does this tell us right here? It is the will of God that we give thanks in everything. God wants us to be thankful for all things. And we truly have so much, so much to be thankful for. Because in all of this, it points us to the greatest reason. The greatest reason we have to give thanks, and that is Jesus himself. Jesus himself and his willingness to take the ultimate consequence upon himself. Are we getting this? Are we understanding this? The ultimate consequence for our disobedience, our sinful actions that we deserve so rightly. Jesus Christ took that upon himself. That we might not suffer that punishment. That we might share in God's glory forever. That we might enjoy and glorify Him for all eternity. Folks, if you don't have anything else to be thankful for, that is the one thing we need to keep in the forefront of our minds. That Jesus died for your sin. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus died for you. That you might be reconciled to God. That you might enter into the gates of heaven and enjoy God's presence forever. So this week when we look back and we give thanks for family, we give thanks for the material things in our lives... Let us give thanks above all things for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that he made for us. Let us give thanks for a father willing to sacrifice his son for an undeserving people that he might be glorified in all of it.
Give thanks always in all things. Let's stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne this morning, we want to once again give thanks. Lord, you are so good to us. You are so wonderful and awesome in so many ways, and we stand here undeserving with nothing to offer in return. We offer nothing but praise and, and worship for you. You are truly worthy of all praise and honor and glory. Lord, let our hearts always be in a position of thanks as we recognize the working in our lives that you do. Let us be thankful in the good times. Let us be thankful in the difficult times. Let us always be thankful for all things. And let us always understand that you are the author of all good things in our lives. And all that we have, all that we will have. Let us also be willing to share that truth with those around us and your goodness and your love that others might come to know you as we do. That others might come to know you and embrace the reality of you as Lord and the, the offer you have as Savior. Let your will be done in all of our lives, Lord, that we might glorify you with every breath we take. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next time for another Walk in God's Word. Podcasts are available in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, CastBox, Downcast, and BeyondPod. Search for and subscribe to Providence Baptist Church Space Hyphen Space Gaston Sermons. Until next time, may God bless you as we await his joyful return. Hi, this is John Friedrich, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. It's my prayer that our time together has helped you grow in your walk with God, or maybe he's even used it to guide you to discover the wonderful gift of salvation. If you're ever in our area, we would love for you to come worship with us. Our address is Providence Baptist Church, 977 Metafield Road, Gaston, South Carolina, 29053. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through our website at www.providencembcgaston.com or email us at providencembcgaston at gmail.com. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us next time as we take a walk in the Word.